We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Everybody to another edition of the Rock Pile Report podcast. I am your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger. And we're here tonight to talk about the 2022 NFL schedule release, how the Buffalo Bills fit into it from a drinking man's perspective. But first, I have to address something. Chris, there's, there's a little bit of controversy. Some of you may have seen. I got to get out in front of this thing. You may or may not have noticed on our Twitter feed. There's a certain video being circulated, uh, put out by... Uh, well, he sent it to me. Mark sent it to me. Oh, my God. Did you see the version with the Titanic music in it? Oh, yeah. He paid real American dollars for that. He paid. He, pay, he paid actual money to have the Titanic put in? Yeah. He just didn't send say, say to me, hey, can you... You can probably put the Titanic song to it, can't you? <laughs> Yeah, I can. Folks, there may or may not be a video of me circulating the interwebs right now, uh, striking out looking in slow pitch softball. Now, I have never claimed, I, I will say this, I have claimed to be a better athlete than Chris. You're not. Everyone knows that. I have never claimed to be good at the game of slow pitch softball. I Now, Chris, you once posted a video of me hitting the ball. You know I'm, I'm capable of doing it. Yeah, you would play well when when you were playing at the softball fields outside of the Pepsi Center in Amherst, because I would also play hockey there in the summer. So whenever I would show up for my game and you would be playing softball, that's when you did well because you knew that you were in the presence of greatness and you had <laughs> you had to get on the same plane as me. So the video depicts me standing at the plate with uh, two strikes. The pitcher throwing the ball and me, as someone very kindly pointed out in the comments, uh, not even actually taking the bat and relaxing my stance and putting it on my shoulder because the pitch was so it it looked so awkward there. I I figured there was no way in hell it would hit the plate. But there I, I but Chris, I will say that I acknowledge that there are far like it's what's the hierarchy of embarrassing recreational sports moments like what's the most embarrassing thing that could happen to somebody during a hockey game a rookie move somebody just makes an egregious mistake that you look at and you go why are you even here you know what it would probably happen in one of our games because we do have orange jerseys so in the event that we play somebody that maybe has red jerseys and you pass it back to the point and it's just some guy 
not hustling back on defense and you just send it back to him and he just turns around on a breakaway. <laughs> that's a that's something that I've seen happen. Is it the equivalent of striking out looking in mm. slow pitch softball? No, there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing that on the Mount Rushmore of holy shit, I can't believe that actually happened to another adult male in in a recreational sport. I will go on record and say striking out looking might be the worst. It might be the most egregious, the most embarrassing. And I feel I feel every bit of that. I'm glad that we were able to get that on <laughs> on film that Mark Mark said that he was like I I I, I did barely had any time. I pulled my phone out and it was already down 0-2 in the count. <laughs> it was my first time swinging a softball bat all year. And last year I took limited reps because I was coming back from my knee. I, 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 but there's no excuses for this, Chris. It's egregious. I know it's egregious. All I can do is pledge to get better every day, Chris. I can just pledge that I will strive to get better at a game that most people have figured out by the time they're children every single day into my 40s. It's all I can do. Ah, uh, God. We could all do with a little self-improvement, though, right? Always. And I guess if there's a silver lining to all of this, it's that if you set the bar, Chris, I almost feel like this is like a life lesson. If you set the bar low enough at the onset of something, you only have, like, you can only go up from there, right? Yeah. So for me at the plate, I now know that the worst thing that could ever happen, I got that out of the way. It's done. We onwards and upwards to bigger and better things. Like the 2022 NFL schedule. Chris, I got to say, first of all, I feel old as shit now because I can still remember the days like my birthday is April 23rd. And I remember that the schedule used to drop the week of my birthday. I used to I had some Facebook memories popped up around the time of my birthday. And it was like, oh, NFL schedule releases this week. Hopefully they don't, you know, hopefully they don't take a giant shit on me. And it. It's like, wait a minute, it's, what, early May, mid-May? Yeah, they moved it, because you got, the NFL wants to own every month. I mean, it's going to be hard for them to do that for, like, June, but you figure they own the month for February with the Combine. Uh, March, free agency they own. April, they own for the draft. So only logical thing was to move the schedule release out of April into May. And, and you own May. Well, it's coming. Because not only... Okay, so th- this year, first of all, how stupid is this? I somehow got conned into believing that the NFL schedule release was going to be this long because I saw that they had a three-hour TV program scheduled on NFL Network. And I said to myself, okay, so they're going to do this kind of like Selection Sunday. They're going to slowly roll out the schedules. And, the, and all of a sudden I get a tweet. And it's like from the Buffalo Bills Twitter handle. It's like, oh, hey, by the way, here's our schedule. Then what the hell are you talking about for three hours? You're talking about the match because we know who we're playing. We just didn't know when. So it's it's a huge deal to know that now that we know Miami is coming in December. That's not good for Miami. But so they need three hours in NFL Network to talk about that? Yeah, yeah, because there's four weeks in December and we got to know where Miami goes every week. Well, and here's the worst part. News is coming out now this week that the NFL is looking based on the, you know, how, how glued to the schedule release people have become. They're doing exactly what they did with the combine. They now want to make this a three day spectacle. What the fuck are we talking about? Bigger and better. Got to do it up. Is it better? People buy it. That's like saying McDonald's is good because a million people buy it. Nick, comedian Nate Bargetsy, he has a he has a funny bit about that. He goes, he, he'll bring up that he was eating at McDonald's and people in the crowd go, ooh. And he goes, don't ooh me. He goes, look it, they're the most successful restaurant chain in the entire world. There's over a billion people served on all seven continents. He goes, I'm not the only person keeping the lights on there. <laughs> Somebody's watching this crap. That's why it's there, right? Yeah. I didn't watch. I was watching NHL playoffs. I didn't. Better not tune into a second of schedule <laughs> breakdown. It was. It's a mess. 
But so as we go over our schedule and the, the league schedule as a whole, I mean, Chris, I don't need three hours. I can truncate this for our listeners in about 10, 15 minutes. I have my own categories of winners and losers from this 2022 NFL schedule. We start with the winners. Because they're winners. Winners get to do what they want. We start with a team that absolutely, I guess, gets to do what they want, no matter how stupid that decision might be. And that's the Cleveland Browns. Chris, who's the starting quarterback week one for the Cleveland Browns? Um, Probably Baker Mayfield, unless he cries. See, the thing is, I don't know. I can't tell you who the, who the starting quarterback is. And I don't think anyone in the Browns front office knows either. Watson, potentially suspended. Mayfield, I don't know, he's pissed off. Talking about withholding services. I would be shocked, wouldn't you? Uh... No, I would not be shocked, but I also would not put a Seagram's on it. Ah, so see, there is some doubt in your mind. There is doubt, but they, I can see it. He's under contract. They somehow caught a major break. Well, first of all, Chris, they cannot take him into training camp. If you're trying, you have a disgruntled player who you, who thought he was being drafted to be your franchise quarterback put it all on the line for you and then you as a friend then publicly talked about how he feels like the franchise fucked him over you want that guy in your locker room during training camp i feel like that's a, just a disaster waiting to happen i don't feel like there's any that's why teams aren't willing to give them anything for baker mayfield in a trade you know teams are basically the quote that came out from some gm was like oh yeah teams that nobody feels like doing the browns any favors in terms of this quarterback situation and just giving them an out, an easy out, because they know that they probably have to cut him, right? They probably have to release him, because at this point, if he withholds those services or just decides to show up and be a distraction, you as a GM and coach can't risk that. You just can't. So they catch a major break here, because their first four games come against, uh, look look at the teams, Carolina, a team who, just like Cleveland, doesn't know if they have a real NFL quarterback in the roster week one. The Jets, who are an improved team on paper, but only because, much like me striking out looking in softball, the bar was set so low, it can't get worse. Pittsburgh. All right, Pittsburgh looks a little tough, a tough divisional matchup that'll be a throwback because both teams can run the ball. Who knows what their passing games look like? I don't know. Maybe you can win that as a dice roll where it's like, Chris, I expect that one to play out like it played out uh, that snow game where the Bills and Browns played each other. And what was it? Eight nothing, I Eight believe. Eight nothing. And then Atlanta, a team that's firmly rebuilding itself. Who knows what they have at quarterback? I just, no matter who the Browns signal caller is, they could and maybe should still go at least 500 to open the season, even if they don't have Wallace or Mayfield running the offense. If you think about it like that, it's pretty easy to say that the Browns dodged a bullet here, right? Yeah. Now, we just mentioned the Pittsburgh Steelers. I put them in the same bucket for a different reason. They're winners because in a season where the Seahawks are set to travel, what was it, Chris, more than any team in the NFL, more distance, they are literally going to be flying and traveling a total of 29,446 miles, and they're going to change time zones 34. To, they're going to cross through 34 different time zones during their travels. The Steelers are on the opposite side of the coin. They legitimately do not leave the Eastern time zone this season. It's impressive. How wild is that? The farthest west they have to go is Indianapolis. The Saints, the Raiders both come to them. Everybody else, all their teams are situated along the East Coast. And when I think about this, and people go, oh, it doesn't matter. Remember the games against Kansas City? Uh, I'm trying to think of when. The Bills talked openly about how they had traveled to Kansas City, and then they traveled there again, and did the, they stayed in the same hotel. They ate the same food. They tried to get their schedules aligned in the exact same way, because that even that small difference of being in a hotel in a different time zone was a major pain point for them to the point where they felt like they had to go out of their way to adjust to it. So that that would seem to give Pittsburgh something of an advantage this season, wouldn't it? Yeah. And then there's the New England fucking Patriots. 
I got to open a fresh beer for this. Nothing, and I mean nothing, pisses me off more than the NFL doing those cheating bastards up north any favors. And yet, here in 2022, we continue the tradition of it. I went back through our schedule, Chris, because there's a dynamic here that I really, really cannot stand. 2010 through 2019, the final years of Tom Brady's career in New England, we as the Buffalo Bills played the Patriots before week six, eight different times. In 2020, their first season without Tom Brady, we played the Patriots in week eight and week 16. We won both of those contests. The following season, 2021, we didn't see them until week 13. Week 20, now in 2022, we're looking at week 13 and week 18. The final game of the season and week 13. So if you're following, like if you're looking at it from my point of view, back when Brady was kicking our heads in every single year, the NFL schedule makers couldn't wait to get our games against them on the books. Let's get this thing on the books as early as possible. Let's get, let's get that bloodletting out of the way early. And no one blinked at the prospect when there was somehow belief that Cam Newton was still a real NFL quarterback that once again, the Patriots should be playing the Buffalo Bills as early as possible. But now all of a sudden that the team is starting Mac Jones and sporting an offense that looks incredibly limited by what that bum brings to the table. Now, all of a sudden, the league decides, you know what the Patriots need? They need more than two-thirds of the NFL season before they can play Buffalo. The fuck is that? Am I, the, am I wrong to be a little miffed by this? Because well, it seems be- shady. Between 10 and 19, you play the Patriots before week six. Because what kind of playoff implications are we having? Well, <laughs> Exactly. Now that we own the division, people, the NFL schedule makers think that that's going to be the a playoff implication game. So they move it to the end of the season. Okay, but that's horseshit. Like, Chris, I think we proved pretty soundly at the end of last season that they're not on the same level as we are. No. The boot is firmly on the other foot. Especially after the draft. And it's the other person's pants who are now around their ankles waiting the foot. But I just, I, I look at this and I say to myself, so now you as the NFL are now protecting the Patriots. What, what so you can preserve this narrative that the division is somehow up for grabs still? Like, that was the thing last year. Oh, the, the look at the Patriots. They're going to go neck and neck with the Bills the entire way. Oh, look at the Patriots. They won some late season crappy weather game against the Buffalo Bills. If we played this game here in on a sunny September afternoon, right? We played the Patriots for the first time last season in the middle of September. I think we throttle that team. Yeah, I can see that. I, and yet they don't, they're not going to give us that. They're going to take one of the most explosive offenses in the entire division and say, you know where we want you playing the New England Patriots? A kind of by their own, like it's their fault that they have to be a ground and pound, tough it out with defense type team. Like they built that shit show. We're going to do them a favor and force you to play them in the seasons most likely to face inclement weather. Seems really convenient, doesn't it? Yeah, that would be the, uh, the only difference. I, I, I mean, I would like to play the Patriots prior to week six, like we did between 2010 and 2019, so we could beat the shit out of them. I think that 2019 game scared the hell out of them. They said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We, we scheduled them, what, week five? Was it week four or week five? No, Josh Allen Josh Allen doesn't go down with a concussion. We win that game. I, ever since then, it's been, oh, well, we got we to gotta space this thing out. Can't let that happen again. I know that the league loves the Patriots. They love Robert Kraft, but this is bullshit. And I'm I'm just, I feel like I have to vent about it. Now, there are also some losers on the other end of this besides, I mean, the New England Patriots because they suck. This is the 2022 losers in terms of the schedule. Fuck you both. Your lives are so fucking pathetic. I ran a charity 15K to raise awareness for it. You fucking losers. That was Shorzy talking about our first our first candidates here, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. The, Monday Night Football has always sucked from a commentating standpoint. Can we agree on that? 
Well, since when? I mean, When's t- the last time they got it right? You didn't think it was right? Was it Tarico and Gruden? Tarico's good. I like Tarico. Gruden. Spider eh. 2, why banana? Gruden just had too much of this. I, I don't know. It was like. He liked everyone too much? He liked everyone he too never, much. He never offered like legit criticism? No. And he, he just loved everyone? He loved everything and everyone. Especially Peterman? It was like having a less endearing John Madden in the booth. <laughs> I could see that. Okay. But I like Tarico. What else? What other duo tandem, whatever? Uh, Dennis Miller? Yeah. I remember as a kid going to my dad and just being like, Dad, what, what is this? Like, I thought, like, what's happening here? Even as a kid, I knew that sucked. I mean, hey, you put a comedian on there for uh, some comedic value. I get it. It's like... Uh, First of its kind back then. Yeah, like, it's like if you, br- yeah, it, it go, it, Chris, it went over about as well as if you brought a comedian to a funeral. Like that's that that <laughs> this isn't where you do slapstick. Yeah, I mean, well, I like get your I, stupid perm out of the booth. I may be in the minority, but I think Joe Buck and Troy Eggman are fantastic. I like Joe Buck. I like Joe Buck. He's got a he's got a he's got a voice kind of like how Buffalo Sabres fans will most of them our age, our parents' age. Rick Jenneret's the only voice they know, and they just he is synonymous with hockey. Joe Buck is just to sports that way. Playoff baseball, big football games. Joe Buck has that like his voice is synonymous with football. Troy Aikman, I don't know. I could take him or leave him. And the problem for them, the reason why they're the losers, is because. Great. You've got this giant new platform. You're you're off Fox. You're now at ESPN. You've got to go toe-to-toe with the Manning cast. Ten, what? I think ten times? Something like that. This is the thing. ESPN and the NFL. NFL was not giving them good games. Like, think of the playoffs. Over the last couple of years, who's getting... The ESPN playoff game. It was always whoever won the AFC South. Yes, was getting the th- so. Yes, that's true. The NFL is was never giving ESPN slash ABC quality games because the NFL ESPN does not did not throw money into their. Uh, I guess getting the NFL on their networks. Like they weren't, Goodell was not taking them serious. Now the ESPN's like, here's a sh- shit ton of money for Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. Now Roger Goodell's like, okay, you're putting some money behind what we give you for the NFL. So now we're going to give you a little bit better games. I think they have a pl- I think they have more than one playoff game. Wow, coming up. All right, this this off. This, uh, but do you season. see them being able to compete with who would you rather hear talk, Joe Buck or Eli and Peyton and a group of celeb random players and celebrities? Well, they are a completely different broadcast. Yes. I mean, <clears throat> the Manny cast is basically your quote unquote bar talk yeah. style of broadcast. And I loved it. Yeah. I watched more Manny cast than I did with. Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and uh, Lewis Reddick. Yep. I'll probably switch back to watching more Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Really? I think you're going to be in the minority there. I'll be interested to see what those numbers look like at the end of the season. I just think they're going to have a tough road ahead of them. Uh, the Falcons and Raiders, they're, they're, they're losers. Uh, they're two teams on the opposite end of con- the contender spectrum, right? A rebuilding team that doesn't know who their starting quarter. Marcus Mariota might be your starter with no wide receivers. That sounds like it's going to go well. Uh, at the other end, you have the quote-unquote elite, Derek Carr. He is elite. They have the same problem, though. They could both open the season going 1-5. and five. The Falcons, I, I don't know what they have, right? I, the, the, what First month and a half, they play six teams that could just boat race them. <laughs> that's, that's a problem because you don't have any offensive firepower to fight back. The Raiders, on the other hand, made all kinds of moves this offseason that they think are going to allow them to compete in the division and capitalize on an underdeveloped Chiefs roster. But they open against some of the NFL's highest scoring teams and then close against some of the NFL's most physical defenses. Pittsburgh, New England, Denver, the Rams on a short week. Like, 
Is Derek Carr still elite, Chris? He's elite. Do you, do you genuinely elite. believe that, or are you just is this just a bit now, a shtick that you have to be married to? He is elite. What have the Raiders done for him? Oh, hey, we're gonna draft this guy that's gonna kill someone in a car accident, and then we're gonna draft this other guy on defense that's gonna go on Instagram live and just wave guns around on camera. <laughs> they have not done Derek Carr any good via the draft. At all, they just they just draft some of the worst character people you can imagine. Chris, how is it any different from thirty years of Raiders football? They've always had that. That's always been a part of the Raiders DNA. No, they used to just draft guys that could that had speed. They they would draft. <laughs> That's true. They would, to, they, they the would. L. Davis the L. Davis years. We used to joke that during the draft, somebody just got to some intern. Somebody in the war room would just get tasked with the job of. Just keep an eye on L. Davis. Don't let him get away from you, because if he gets to a phone, he's going to call this pick in. And then that intern goes to buy a soda, and he turns around. That chair's empty. And all of a sudden, everyone, the GM's looking around. He goes, all right, we feel good. We're going to take this linebacker. And all of a sudden, the pick is in. They're going, wait, what? Yeah, and it's... Who let L. Davis out? Next thing you know, it's Darius Hayward Bay. Exactly. <laughs> At least he could probably get away from the cops. <laughs> it's just hilarious. Like, they really have been a disaster, but... Their schedule is tough. It's really tough. And these changes that they made this offseason kind of en masse to make this team tougher are going to have to pan out quickly because if not, they're in a lot of trouble. Just like the, the maybe the biggest loser, the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, things have to pan out and pan out quickly. We've been pretty down on the Chiefs over here at the Rockpile Report pretty much all offseason. Although I think Nate Geary of WGR 550 articulated it the best during this year's draft recap. Is their track record of developing their own and turning them into blue chip players. Nicole Hardman, no. Uh, Traverius Ward, gone. Um, Travis Kelsey, okay. Rashad Breland. Chris Jones, good. Um, but Clyde Edwards-Alaire, first round pick, <laughs> running back. Yeah. Will, probably won't play very much this year. No. Um, like... You go through the list of players, and they are not a team that has historically been able to leverage a great draft class into actually helping you, especially right away. So for those, listen, you everybody talks about winning the draft and winning the offseason, and miss me with that. The grass is always greener, and you think you're smarter than you always are. I'm interested to see for the first time in his career, and someone's going to say, well, in four games, Patrick Mahomes has seven touchdowns and 1,300 yards without Tyreek Hill. Do it over a season, loser. Like, don't give me that shit. Like, I want to see it over a full season, and I want to see Yak God on another team, and let's see if he can have the same level of prolific success when teams don't have to dedicate a guy that can't get above 20 yards. <laughs> like, now teams are going to be able to press at the line of scrimmage. Teams are going to... MBS is a nice player. If Aaron Rodgers couldn't figure out how to get whatever they got out of him, sorry, it, you're not getting that much more on MBS. <laughs> I don't it's know not like he's, you are about It's this. not like Hell he's yeah. going from Drew Locke. He's going from Aaron fucking Rodgers. Just won two MVPs. Give me a break. Like, they are... And they overpaid him. So, for me, I, I, I guess I just... I, I will say this. They are all good to fine players, but that's a quarterback that has never had to know life without Tyreek Hill. And if I were that fan base, I would never want to know. I would never want to have a conversation of what Patrick Holmes' career looks like without Tyreek Hill unless he can't run anymore. It's Nate Geary from our Treff show, episode 411. Go find it on your uh, wherever you consume podcasts. What I think I loved about that that we didn't get in that clip was just to him explaining, like, look at all these wide receivers. Sure, they've got guys. They're all twos and threes on other football teams. There's not a one on that team right now. Sky Moore, great, he could be a great player. There's a learning curve when you come from his division, though. I mean, who's the, uh, oh, he now plays for the Jets. What's his name, Chris? He was drafted in the top ten. Corey Davis. Corey Davis. Corey Davis out of Western Michigan, it took him a hot, and he's a guy, you look at Sky Moore and you look at Corey Davis, they're two totally different wide receivers. One of them had elite speed, elite size, giant catch radius, contested balls were supposed to be his thing. It took him a couple years to kind of get a handle on how to make that fit in the NFL because of the competition he played in college. Sky Moore is a slot receiver. 
So is Juju Smith-Schuster. Like all of these guys are smaller players who are going to have to figure out how to get open against, like in a much shorter area and much different ways in the NFL. So all this optimism about the Chiefs, I don't know where it's coming from. They're coming into the NFL season pretty green in some really critical spots. And that sucks because they're going to be playing not only eight teams that had winning records in 2021, but more importantly, they're going to be entering their first season without the elite weapon, Tyreek Hill. And they're going to have a version of their offense that neither we nor they have ever seen before while going up against five of the top 10 scoring offenses in the NFL. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So for a team that has so many rookies at the wide on offense, so many young players, I should say, so many new players and young players, rookies that are going to be counted on to make an impact early in their careers on defense and a defense that's already known for being soft. It's a, Chris, the only reason they win games last year is because they're outscoring everybody. It had nothing to do with elite defensive play. That sounds like a recipe for a slow start and a potential disaster if they struggle to stack wins out of the gate. Then you take a look at this. They set the record, right? They had the volume record at Arrowhead, I believe. For the loudest game ever? I think it's Seattle. It's either Se- Call in if you know. It's either Seattle or Arrowhead. They're not going to be playing inside that stadium much to start the season. Three of their first four games and four of their first seven all come on the road. So if you're a rookie who's just like, hey, I need to figure out how to play in the NFL. I got to get used to this. Oh, by the way, you, you don't have any home field advantage to speak of. When you go into the huddle and you're Sky Moore on third down, it's going to be loud out there. You're going to have to figure that louder than it ever was at Western Michigan. You're going to have to, you're going to have to figure out how to navigate that. I just feel like there's so much in the air. Chris, if they have a slow start here, they legitimately could be wildcard bound. And if they really struggle, not surprised by that, considering the division and Chris pull their schedule up for me. This is what I love about having giant screens in the studio. (laughs) Pull their schedule up for me. So, because I guess the point I'm trying to make here is that uh, when you look at what they have on the docket and what they have at their disposal, you know, Nate hit the nail on the head. Do do what you've done over the course of Mahomes' career on offense without the weapon that kind of, the straw that stirs the drink for all of it. Do that and then come talk to me about, oh, we're elite, we're prolific at X, Y, and Z. Well, yeah, a lot of that happened because of what you brought to the table. Uh, okay, so we're looking at their schedule. What uh, They start with Arizona, at Arizona. Uh, Chargers, Colts, Buccaneers, Raiders, and then the Bills, the 49ers. That's not nothing. And then it doesn't get easier towards the end. Go back down to the end of the schedule. Scroll down for me. Okay, so they close Broncos Raiders, two teams that should be able to put up points this year. Uh, what else do they have? Broncos again, Bengals, Rams. Like that's You've got some easy ones in there, the Texans and the Seahawks, but otherwise all of those teams that you play for the last month and a half of football, are all those are going to be close games. Yeah, you come out of the bye with uh, what could be some easy wins with Tennessee and Jacksonville, and then you're at the Chargers, home to the Rams, and then at the Bengals, and then at the Broncos for a four-week stretch. See, like they have some really rough stretches of football, 
if their offense doesn't just if the, all this continuity that their fan base thinks they're going to have, ah, God, if they don't find it, can you imagine how ugly that could get? It'll get ugly. So it's just interesting because all this talk about who's going to finish where, how some of these teams are going to do. You look at the eventually end up with the Buffalo Bills schedule. When I look at the Bills 2022 schedule by the numbers, first of all, they're the largest Super Bowl favorites in the NFL since 1992, like their own like personal best. They were plus 500 in 1992. This is the closest we've come to being that big of a Super Bowl favorite. It's insane. Eight home games, nine away. The Bills were five and three on the road last season and tied for 14th best in the NFL. And all three of their losses were by three points. So even if even if we go on the road and we lose, every single one of those games is a rock fight. Eight games against 2021 playoff teams, which we're going to talk about in a bit. Five primetime games, and ultimately we play seven games outside of the traditional 1 p.m. Sunday window. I want to start with this. What is this obsession that some of our fan base has with 1 p.m. Sunday football? Do you understand it? Uh, not really. I mean, 1 p.m. football comes with being mediocre at best because you're not getting primetime games. You're not getting America's Game of the Week at 425. If you're good... You're not getting sun in it, football. Yeah, if you're good... Can you imagine? Then you what, have less one p.m. games, which is where we're at. Can you imagine what would have happened if they had put the um, if they had put the EJ Manuel Buffalo Bills on Sunday Night Football? They gave us a Thursday Night Football game against the Browns, and we embarrassed ourselves by. by he got injured that game. Both quarterbacks went down on like back-to-back possessions with knee injuries, and Jeff Toole was dueling Brandon Whedon. That's what we want on Thursday Night Football. I would, Chris, it's, it comes, like, Thursday Night Football came, like, if you have cable, like, you just get the NFL Network. I would have called my cable provider and asked for a refund. I would have asked for a refund for whatever portion of my money went to that. Now, Chris, if you could pull up our Twitter DMs, my computer's being a little slow. I reached out to some of the more vocal parts of our fan base that uh, are huge fans of the 1 p.m. game. And I got some interesting, some interesting things here uh, from Pat Moran from the uh, the Talking Bills podcast. Chris, why don't you read that for us? I'm just a creature of habit, so I like consistency and routine of the Bills playing at 1 p.m. I love waking up between 9 and 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning, having breakfast, a cup of coffee, and a shower before getting comfortable and getting into my Sunday football mode. I should add, I don't enjoy those Sunday afternoons if the Bills aren't playing until Sunday or Monday night because I have anxiety about Bills games the entire time. Uh, yeah, and then Aaron Quinn. Aaron Quinn is probably like 1 p.m. Stan. Oh, I feel like he's championing that bus. If we had to put like a... Chris, I'm going to allow you to do this, Okay. If there was a three, like if there was a three-man wrestling organization or a wrestling group that you could think of, the NWO. Okay, so what would that make? Aaron Quinn would be the Hulk Hogan of yeah. one p.m. Sunday football. Yes, <laughs> yes. I'm going to allow this analogy to take place because I think it's I think it fits. And Del Reed and Pat Moran make up his kind of his acolytes there. I'm gonna re- 1 p.m. according to Aaron Quinn is the ultimate. He says it's perfect for setting into a game. You get up early, fire up some pregame radio or pods, make some coffee and breakfast. You build up excitement for the game. In my house, big lunch. You know, around noon after completing all my game day superstitions, we get the food spread. The whole family's awake. Just about everything. Just everything about football at 1 p.m. on a Sunday in the fall winter feels right. It feels comforting. It feels like home. Okay. Counterpoint. Like, and I guess, it, Chris, I guess it depends on what your. Does this all just boil down to what you're used to? Probably. For, well, habit, right? Like, both of them narrow down, like, superstition, habit. Yeah. Well, I've had season tickets for a decade. Every Bills home game involves me getting up at about 4 45, 5 a.m. 
seems legit. Because we have to be at the tailgate spot by what, 6.15, 6.30? Yeah, we try to, that's when we, we try to be there. For my work schedule, primetime games work best for me. We're on Thursday night twice this year. I love it. Yeah. Thursday night twice this year, so you get to see those games. You get to see the Sunday night football game. Yep, I'm taking off uh, work to go to the... I will be at the home opener against the Titans, and then I will be at the Sunday night game against the Packers the day before Halloween. So it's like I understand why people get used to this, right? Because, again, Chris, you just said it. 1 p.m. football is kind of... It's for losers, but the Bills have been losers for 20 years. You grow accustomed to your traditions, your, hey, I need an afternoon spread of brunchy-type foods. I'm, you get used to seeing people at the same time. You get used to the party being over by a certain time of night so that you can relax. For me, it's getting up early on, on non-game day Sundays. And usually for about a month after the season's over, I'm still up at 4.45, 5 o'clock every Sunday because my body can't shut it off. I have a... Chris... Primetime football means that I don't have to wake up at the crack ass of dawn to go set up a tailgate. Yeah. 8 p.m. football on Sundays. Uh, 7.15 on Monday Night Football. I get the whole day what's to gonna prepare be, these things. What's going to be great on these home primetime games that we have is going to be, will the entire group make it into the stadium? <laughs> It I really can, is like uh, I can guarantee you and if, me will a hundred percent make it into the stadium. Potter and Dan. Potter and Dan. Dice uh, roll. Yeah. Dice roll. Especially Potter. He's the wild card here. Potter, I know you're listening to this. I fucking love you, man. But holy shit! I don't think anybody's had a rougher ride when it comes to like uh, being in the stadium for the prime. And this t- is coming from a guy who got dosed, dosed with illegal, illicit chemicals at a Bills game. For the primetime games that Potter comes to, he's not going to make it back to Rochester. Just <laughs> simply because he's just going to, he's going to know, I'm going to get just, well, he'll drill, probably, I'm going to get drilled all day today so I don't have to go back to Rochester until tomorrow. But, I can sleep at Drew's. Well, I think he'll be coming in with Dan. I think he'll be coming in with Dan now, so it'll be interesting. Like we talk all about All the things I just said about Potter... Also for Dan. We'll sleep in the truck in True's driveway so I don't have to go back to Rochester. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you think? I, I Listen, I own air mattresses. I'm not a peasant. No, no. Even even, even if... And Potter, even if you want to share... Hey, well, even, if, and, even if Dan and Potter and me, we were the same level of friends as you and them two... I still would make them sleep in the in their truck in the driveway. Of course. And that's why we're not the same person, Chris. That's why I have friends. But Potter, if you're hearing this, don't don't take it personal, but listen, you are the guy who somehow got like boxed out of a Jets game once. Like you got drunk and rolled your ankle and then like fell and then ye- some Jets fans yelled at you for blowing out your ankle and then you yelled at them and a guard kicked you out. And then you had to limp back to the truck that you didn't have the keys for. And so you just fell asleep by the truck. Like, I love you, man. I hope that you make it into every single game this season. I just, it is, you, you it's like the movie The Warriors. Like, we leave that tailgate and we all end up going our separate ways. And you're like, man, I hope when I get to, I hope when I get back to Coney Island, I see all, I hope they do with that Indian headdress. And, uh. I, I, the guy with the denim jacket. I hope everybody's back. I hope they all made it. Uh, all right, let's let's dig into this seriously for a minute because we're we've bored these people for long enough with our own trivial nonsense. I want to talk about the strength of schedule and why talking about it to me might be hazardous to your health. I'm not saying that I'm going to pull a Mike Tyson on anybody who anyone who brings it up to me while waiting for a drink at the bar or on the sidelines of a slow-pitch softball game. But I'm also not not saying it. Because I think it's, I think it's, Chris, it's 2022. We've come far enough that we know that this traditional strength of schedule metric that the media likes to throw out there is heavily flawed. Right? Every year we talk about this. It, teams' performances fluctuate from one year to the next. If they didn't, 
Like if bad teams didn't improve and good teams didn't regress, then the NFL would essentially be Major League Baseball. And no one watches that nonsense, regardless of what Mark Smith says. He'll never convince me of it. The method... Using that method says that they have the 14th hardest schedule in the NFL and the most difficult in the AFC East. But in terms of trying to determine the difficulty level of the Bills' schedule just in a vacuum unto itself, I always look at a few different things. First off, the quality of head coaches and quarterbacks and the experience of both. This season, the Bills square off against a boatload of former playoff teams, which in a sense would have you believe that things are going to be very difficult. But at the same time, consider the makeup of the quarterbacks and head coaches. Which I is it fair to say that those two pieces are usually the most common denominators of successful football teams? Hundred percent. Okay, we have eight playoff teams. But does Mitch Trubisky scare you? No. Ryan Tannehill. No. How about Mac Jones, who showed everybody his ass in that playoff loss to Buffalo last year? No. The reality is that, well, the Bills are indeed playing some successful football teams from last year, and they have just four games against, quote-unquote, new NFL head coaches. You know, McDaniels, twice, Eberflus, Kevin O'Connell. The crop of quarterbacks that they're going to face is fairly underwhelming. Uh, Seven games against quarterbacks who started at least 12 games, but failed to throw more than 3,200 yards. Allen had 4,400, just to give you a barometer of that. Two games against the New England quarterback who just lost one of the more consistently NFL, off, uh, consistently successful, we'll call it, offensive coordinators. And the guy who is the architect of the most successful 12 personnel package that I think the NFL has ever seen, right? That's why they spent all that money on tight ends, was because Josh McDaniels was the guy who knew how to run a 12 personnel based offense and utilize those tight ends to, to maximize their offensive efficiency. He's gone. That was what Mac Jones was drafted to operate, and that guy left. Nine of their games are going to come against quarterbacks who are playing for building, quote-unquote, teams that don't have a track record of success in the NFL. And then there's the obvious regression of some of these guys. Kansas City Chiefs. We just spent 10 minutes talking about why we don't think they'll be what they used to be. How many other teams are in that same boat? The Ravens? The Ravens just sold their quarterback down the river. The Rams? The Rams, there's the there, Packers. There is room for regression here. And so in that way, the standard strength of schedule metric, I'd, I'd hate it. And I think that the Bills are much better set up than that number would have you believe. If we want to talk about the highlights of just the way this whole thing came together, the Bills are favored in every single game. I like what? it. I like it. What? What are we talking about? I feel like I'm on drugs. It's not the booze talking. The Bills, for the first time since I was born, are favorites in every game. According to if you, what, Computer Cowboy, I think he goes by on Twitter, Ben Baldwin. Yep. He put out a graph. You can go to our Twitter feed at Rock Power Report and see it. The gambling market implied odds show that the Bills are viewed as having more than a 50% chance in, of winning in every single game on their schedule as of today. And as was pointed out by Twitter user TJDMCR, which is hilarious to me, like why just pick all letters? Just throw a couple numbers in there. If the Bills win just the games that they're viewed by Vegas as 60% or better favorites to win, they're 11-6 and in de facto AFC's champions with a sweep of the division. Now, I understand that it's it, you, you take some of this with a grain of salt because they're just betting odds. They're not box scores. And one of those things weighs a lot more than the other. But it's worth pointing out that at the beginning of the 2021 NFL season, the odds makers said Kansas City and Buffalo were the teams with the strongest odds to come out of the AFC. And no matter how poorly things went for both teams, the ups, the downs, the players who struggled, offensive struggles, turnovers, when the smoke settled, it was Kansas City and Buffalo still playing each other. In the divisional round, and I think we all agreed, like, hey, whoever wins this should go to the Super Bowl. Vegas doesn't lose often. And the Bills were 10-7-2 against the spread in 2021. So the fact that we're this heavily favored... If that same dynamic holds true, it's hard not to see us parting our way into the playoffs with a pretty sizable seed in the AFC. And then in terms of good and bad stretches, the Bills opened the season playing four of their first six on the road, but under Sean McDermott with Josh Allen, this team has played really well. 2018, his first season, they won 16.6% of their road games. 2019, that jumped to 75%. 2020, 75%. 
2021, 62 and a half. And that was their first season playing a first place schedule since the 1990s. To see that with that giant step up in competition, playing a first place schedule, the Bills only regressed by a single road win while playing Tampa, Tennessee, and Kansas City. I don't think that early slate of games is anything to worry about because history says McDermott will have these guys dialed in. And then, just like 2021, the Bills have a really soft slate of games to close the regular season. If you go from November 24th to January 8th, the Bills are playing zero games against teams that finished in the top 12 for yards per game on offense. Two road games against teams that had more than six wins in 2021. Four games against teams that finished 22nd or worse in points per game. Now, some of that will improve. The Dolphins won't be as bad on offense as they were last year, but how much better, Chris? How much better? Their offensive line didn't get worlds better because they signed one good left tackle. Yeah, Dolphins, I mean, you got a new coach, for fuck's sakes. Since 2020, when Allen stepped forward as an elite passer and weapons started emerging like Knox, Davis, Diggs, the Bills are 10-2 and in December and January in the regular season. Another strong finish like that here should have them primed for a really high seed in the AFC. I mean, you have to like the way the schedule's set up in that regard, correct? Yeah, I like how the, uh, for whatever, I always think that the Bills, it might, might be luck or whatever, but we always seem to have a bye week between like week 7 and week 12. Like, we generally have middle to late buys. Yeah, that's true. Who are the teams that got screwed last year with like week four buys? Oh, that would, that would, there's teams like that week, would irritate me. There's teams like week five that were getting buys. Yeah, yeah. that'd be frustrating. But I, I do like outside of like Kansas City, the farthest west we're going is LA, and that's right off the bat week one. And we have extra days rest coming back from that game. Yeah, we only play one team coming. I actually know, I think we play one team on a short week. Otherwise, we don't play any teams coming off their bye. That's nice, ain't it? Yeah. <clears throat> Remember when we used to bitch about the Patriots always catching us off their bye? Yep. Jerk-offs. I just know that with a relatively early bye in Week 7, there's only a handful of really challenging games left on the schedule, so if we can start hot, ah, sky's the limit here, guys. And then just individual games, Chris, because I know that this is a big year for you. Because you finally have PTO. You can finally come to some of these games. Let's talk a little bit about the fee as we close the show. A few of the games that stand out to us as like important for this year. What's the big one for you? It's going to be opening day. Rams, Bills, last year's Super Bowl champions against the favorites for this year. And we took one of your best defensive players. It's crazy to see that we're here. And this is being touted as like, because normally... That game is like, hey, the home team's going to play some punching bag. <laughs> and they're just going to light these guys up. Former Super Bowl champions are going to come out. Although last year it was a great game. Cowboys-Tampa. Yep. I think the NFL learned their lesson. They said, listen, we can't just line up soup cans because nobody watches those games. If we want this to be the spectacle we think it can be, we need a legitimately like a difficult game for both teams. We need a... A, a premium game. Plus, if you're NBC and you're, <clears throat> you're looking at, at this as an interconference game, you want to grab the best ones for prime time. Mm -hmm. So there was no way that we weren't going to be opening night against LA. Like it's Super Bowl favorite versus Super Bowl defending chance. Like yep. that's it, it's the best juiciest storyline you could write. I'm I'm already nervous about it. I can't imagine what a train wreck I'll be that week. And I guarantee you, I will not be working on Friday. Yeah, we'll be ho I'll be hosting it here at my landlord's as long as she gives me the uh, okay to host the uh, football party in the basement. But uh, it should be a requirement for you because you're you live literally less than a mile from me right now. That uh, it is required by law that you ride a bicycle over here. A tandem bicycle? Yeah, <laughs> a tandem bicycle, a yellow one. Yes, Jesus. One of my favorites is that we're at home. Versus New England to close out the season. I'm still not over how good that last one tasted, right? If their season goes as bad as I'm hoping it does, that's going to be a 1 p.m. game where we get to watch our backups. We're going to watch Mac Jones try to defeat our backup secondary. Good luck. 
hilarious. I think if you're talking about the one that I'm looking forward to, the I don't want to, Chris. I don't want to. I don't want to ruin the bit. I'll kind of work backwards down my list. Uh, how about this week 17 against Cincy? I'm looking at that as Chris. Maybe if you've got some time, or maybe if some of our listeners, maybe Iman, I can get a small crew together. It's a six-hour drive if you know how to drive. Maybe this is our road game of the year. And look, there's all kinds of there's all kinds of appeal for that, right? First of all, it's an easy drive. Second of all, it's one of the best displays of firepower versus firepower since Buffalo, Kansas City in the divisional round last year. I think it would be cool to get a chance to watch Jamar Chase play live because he's just so much fun to watch on TV. Also, it would give me the opportunity to stop and throw a brick through the window of a Skyline Chili. You will have to eat Skyline Chili. Maybe me and Brother Bill can do a video just punting bowls of it across their shitty stadium's parking lot. <laughs> that, that Cincy game has the makings of one of the pettiest trips of my entire life. Stand outside Skyline Chili with a bullhorn just heckling. <laughs> Until the authorities come and ask me to leave. Monday Night Football against Tennessee. I will be there. That's going to be a fun one because the last home opener I attended in primetime was Bill's Jets in Rex Ryan's second year. It was the game that got uh, Greg Roman fired. The game was a mess. It was a Thursday night game. But the tailgate and the weather couldn't have been better. You're going to catch Tennessee early while the rookies are still acclimating. Revenge game for our offense. We're going to get them while our defense is healthy and without star threats to our secondary, those guys can do more to ham in their running game, which is going to be all they have. And also, you're going to watch that Josh Norman clip all over TV for like a week straight. That poor bastard. That's that's going to haunt him forever, isn't it? Yeah, that'll be the only downside for the home opener is that'll get replayed everywhere. And I think that cherry on the top for the entire schedule, October 30th, Sunday Night Football against Green Bay. So, dude, Aaron Rodgers. Get to watch Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen. I've only seen Aaron Rodgers play here, play anywhere once in my entire life, and the Bills won that game. Yeah. It was a dramatic game. It was fan- – He had more. his uh, – was it uh, Bakari Rambo, I think. Bakari Rambo had, had two, two picks. picks. We returned a punt for a touchdown. And then we uh, – Mario Williams had a strip sack recovery in the end zone, yep. in my end zone, right in front of me, to close out the game. <clears throat> It was one of the best games I've ever seen. Yeah, fun fact, Green Bay never won in Buffalo, ever. I think in terms of just the atmosphere, the New England playoff game and tailgate might be one of the most memorable games of my entire life for a whole multitude of reasons. It was the coldest tailgate I've ever been to. Um, Just John Fina came to the tailgate. My dad came. By the end of the day, we had like 40 people, 50 people hanging out because we were the only people with dedicated heat. Like, it was... It was one of the cool, and then the way the game went, it was one of the coolest experiences I've had in person at the stadium. I'm in no hurry to do anything like that again anytime soon, Chris. Zero degree tailgating sucks. Yeah. But with that in mind, this game is shaping up to be maybe one of the best, at least tailgates, that I've ever been a part of. Yeah, we're going to have some visitors. From Brett Coleman and EJ Snyder from the Bootleg Football Podcast to, uh, what is it, Lieutenant Colonel. He's got a promotion from the last time we've talked. Uh, Yuleberg. Kyle the beer guy from Vegas. At least a dozen other listeners, friends of the show. I think our Aussie friends, Mike Swenson, down in Australia, they might even fly in for the game. I'm going to need a bottle of Bundaberg. The the (laughs) guest list for this tailgate is going to be incredible. It's genuine. Chris, tailgating is genuinely one of my joys. Yeah. Planning and executing a party like that. That can heat, shelter, and feed a crowd. But not just feed a crowd. I want to make sure that there's some, uh, like, that's what, su- my, my love for this is what sucked in Iman and uh, his wife, Bridget. Or Iman of Q42 Barbecue. The official barbecue sauce of the Rock Power Report tailgate, by the way. Uh, it sucked them in. Seeing how well prepared we were and how much thought we put into this. Now Iman's part of the crew. Now he's a season ticket holder. Now he's, he, he and I are already talking about this game and the menu and how we're going to set it up. And I'll tell you what, we've become legitimate friends away from football and tailgating. I don't like that. I know you don't. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> and now what you're going to do is you're going to give two guys like us t- more than 10 hours to pull off an epic party. From the booze to the food to the entertainment, 
we're going to put on a fucking show. I implore you, if you're hearing this right now, tweet at us at Rockpile Report. Let us know what games you're going to come to. Let us know. Score an invite to these things. We'll tell you where to park. We'll tell you how to get to our tailgate. Know that we will do everything we can week in and week out. So, like I said, put on an absolute display of tailgating prowess. I can't wait. Because, Chris, if this is going to be a Super Bowl season and the schedule seems pretty favorable for the Buffalo Bills to pull that off, it's only fitting that we do so with some really, like, we match that energy with some epic tailgating. Guys, again, at Rock Power Report on Twitter, if you guys want an invite, if you want in, rockpowerreport 716 at gmail.com. If you don't have Twitter or you just don't feel like signing up for it, Get a hold of us. Let us know when you're out there because we want to break bread and drink some beers with you. But for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. And this has been the Rock Pile Report. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.